What a powerful song, and that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. I can't wait for that day, singing praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we get to do that now. I hope that you do that in your personal life, too, not just when you come to church. You know, some of us this morning, because of things in our world and things going on, you might be a little down when you came to church. You might be feeling a little better right now, but you realize you can have that every day. You can talk to God every day, spend time with Him. Talk to Him. Be in the Word of God. It's important to be in the Word of God. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time and sing to Him. And I love, I love singing to the Lord. He, you might not like hearing me sing, but I like singing to the Lord. And I'll be in my car just myself, and I'll be just singing it out. I'll, I go on a lot of walks now, and I feel bad for people who walk near me. If I got my headphones in, I'm just singing away. And you know how that verse says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? That fits for me. And uh, sometimes I'll take a headphone out, you hear all the dogs howling in the neighborhood, but I'm having a good time, and I think the Lord enjoys it, so that's okay. We've been talking about, for several weeks, we've been talking about the attributes of God, and as I said this morning, this morning's going to be our final message in this series. We've looked all over in the Bible and saw so many different attributes of God. We studied God's holiness. And Isaiah, in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and those seraphims were crying out, holy, 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 and to this day, they're still crying that out. We serve a holy, set-apart God. There's no one like him. There will never be anyone like him. We've looked at how God is just, and we look, and in life, we want justice in a lot of areas. Don't worry. God is just. He's perfectly just. And sometimes people in this life don't feel like they get justice, but God will bring true justice. We've looked and we've seen how God is faithful. Book of Lamentations, in the midst of the city of Jerusalem being destroyed, we see that as Jeremiah is lamenting, he says, your, your mercies are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. In the midst of hard times in life, God's faithfulness is there. He's always faithful. That's why we sing a song like, great is thy faithfulness, because he's always faithful. We studied God's graciousness, God is mercy. We go on so many more. We study how he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Last week, we looked at the fact that God is omniscient. And today, we're finishing the three omnis, omnipresent. We take our Bibles back to Psalm 139. That's where we've been the past three weeks. And Psalm 139 is a great passage of Scripture and very personal. We read about how David, and the Bible mentions in the New Testament that David was a man after God's own heart. David had a lot of mess-ups in his life, and David was far from a perfect man. We see that he was named a man after God's own heart, and we see some of these passages, like Psalm 139. This is a very intimate passage between God and David here. And really, every Christian, this passage should be close and near and dear to your heart, Psalm 139. Three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we studied how God is our creator. We read through verse number 13 through verse number 16, how from conception, life begins at conception, and how God in the womb, you read those verses there, and uh, you go down to verse number 16, it says, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. That word unperfect comes from the word embryo. So before, as you were being formed in the womb, God was detailing and working and doing so many things. You think about every person that comes into this world they don't have the same fingerprints. Everyone's different. And God works from the very beginning. 
That's why the Bible tells in verse 14, David said, I'll praise thee because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, God makes no mistakes. God is the author of life, and he's also the taker of life. Mankind should not be the taker of life, be it a newborn, be it suicide, be it anyplace else. We saw God as our creator. Last week, we started in verse number one. That's where we're going to start reading this morning. We're going to read our text today. It's verse 7 through 12, but we're going to read verse 1 through 12 this morning. O Lord, thou hast searched me. Now, what I want you to do this morning as I read through this passage, and I use the King James Bible, so you say those sometimes the these and nows, you'll be okay. You'll figure it out. And if you don't, I'll help you here in a minute. But anytime it's personal, like in that first verse, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. What I want you to do in your head right now is I want you to plug your name there as I go through. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou, God, knowest, now there's my downsitting and mine uprising. God, you understand my thoughts afar off. God, you compassed my path and my lying down. I hope you're plugging your name in the word my as well. And art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you, God, knowest it altogether. God has set me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. What is that verse? I mentioned it last week. God, that's a military term. In military battles, you had to watch the front side, the back side. You had to keep your eyes all over the place. David is saying that God set a watch around him. Verse 6, David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me to even think about the fact that you know me the way that you do. You know when I get up. You know when I sit down. You know when I sit on the recliner. You know when I watch television. You know when I go to work. You know when I go to the store. You know everything that I do. That's basically what this is saying right here. You know all my thoughts before I ever think them. You know the words that come out of my mouth. You know all of these things. You protect me from the front side and the back side. David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high that I can obtain. Now, look, this is our text today, starting verse number 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy, thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You see the fact that God's right-handed. Do you see that right there? Sorry, babe, I know you're left-handed. But the Bible does say, where does Jesus sound? The right hand, right? So left-handers and the devil probably have something in common, but I don't know about that. <laughs> you're, you're in your right mind? That's what you say. But it does. I, you see God mention anything about the, his left hand? Nope. So... Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have here this morning. Pray you'd help the message, and I pray that you'd use my words this morning and guide my thoughts. I pray that you would help those that are here this morning. You know who would be here. I pray that you would help us today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This morning we're going to talk about how God is omnipresent. 
He's everywhere at all times, always. It's hard for us to comprehend. There are times I would like to be in two places at once. Anybody ever? Yeah, I think a lot of us would say that, but we can't. We can only be in one place at one time. Even we think about Satan himself. Remember how Job, in the book of Job, Satan comes before the Lord, and the Lord asks, what have you been up to? And Satan says, I've been walking to and fro in the earth. Satan can't be everywhere at once. So there will be a lot of people that will say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. The devil can't be everywhere at once, telling, making everyone do it. So just remember that. The devil's not omnipresent. Only God is. And this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. This is a hard attribute for us to completely understand. And uh, someone, when someone was talking about, Tony Evans was talking about the, the, the omni-attributes of God. He said this way, God knows what needs to be done. That's omniscience. He has the power to do it. That's omnipotence. And he always, whenever he needs, okay, he's always wherever he needs to be to do whatever he needs to be done. That's omnipresence. It's hard for us to get a grasp on this one because there are times in life where we ask, where is God? You have a health issue. Where's God in this situation? You have political things going, where's God in the midst of this? Where's God? And the truth is, he's right there in the midst of everything that goes on. The book of Esther in the Bible not one time mentions the name of God. But there's not a book in the Bible that characterizes God and shows God more than the book of Esther. Because God, even though his name isn't mentioned, God is seen throughout the book working in ways so many different times. And all oh, that's the only way the book could come together. And there are times where you're like, where's God in my life? And the truth is, he's there. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. He's always there. A simple definition for omnipresence is the Lord our God is everywhere at once. He's everywhere present at all times. Now, last service I didn't realize till later, somehow um, I'm the one who puts my notes together and then I give it to the one who does the screen and I give it to the one who does the outline for you. And my notes don't match with the screen and it doesn't match with your notes. So I could blame the guy who did the screens or the lady that did the outline, but all their stuff came from me. So I must have messed something up somewhere. So I'm going to give you a few points later on. You're, you might have to write them down. You'll be okay. We'll live through it okay today. We'll make it work. So if there's something that doesn't come up on the screen, just listen to me well. Pretend you're sitting in a classroom and you got to pay attention. You're not going to be able to doze off on me this morning, okay? And some of you, you're already getting ready. I see the eyes. They're starting to, Peter, I see it just a little bit over there. And they're starting to twirl just a little bit, getting ready to get in that position. And Felix, you too. And, and Louis is good right now, but we'll see in a few minutes. And so you're going to have to pay extra attention today, all right? So here we go as we dive in here today. First thing that we see in verse number 7 is we see David asks a rhetorical question. He says, where shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? And what he is doing is these rhetorical questions are an emphatic way of declaring that God's presence is everywhere. Where can I go, God, to get away from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There's nowhere possible to do it. And when you think about this, God is a spirit, the Bible tells us. The Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
With God being a spirit, that means he doesn't have hands. Like, well, the one verse in the Bible says they measure the sky with a span. That's a span between these, your thumb and pinky. That's an illustration to help you and me kind of get the grasp of how big God is. But God's a spirit. God cannot be contained anywhere. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here this morning. But God is everywhere. Verse number 8, what David does is after he asks this rhetorical question, verse number 7, verse 8, he contemplates what would happen. Look what it says there. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there, and heaven there is referring to the sky. If I go up in space, you're there. Look at the rest of the verse. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. People like, And some people are like, that's contradicting. God isn't in hell. You've got to understand what the verse is saying. The word hell is Sheol in the Old Testament, which is the place of death. And so David is saying, if I'm in the sky, if I die, verse, the next verse says, if I'm in the sea, in the Mediterranean Sea, if I'm in the east where the sun is rising, you're everywhere. There's nothing I can do to get away from you. You're everywhere. You see everything. You're everywhere. And it's so awesome when we look at this. And you're up there. You're down here. You're to the west of us, to the east of us. And David even uses, you see that phrase there in verse number 9, the wings of the morning. It's a metaphor that refers to the sunbeams that flash out of the sun in the morning. They're only there for a minute. If I could travel at the speed of light and grab one of those, you're still there. That's what David is saying here. There's nothing we can do to get away from God. He knows everything. Should David flee to an island in the middle of nowhere, God would still know right where David was. God is everywhere. You're going somewhere later on today, he's already there. You go home today, he's already there. He's here. He's everywhere. What an awesome thought that is this morning. And unlike the pagan deities whose authorities were limited to certain geographical areas of operation, the Lord's authority, and what David it extends to the heavens, to the depths, to the east and the west, there's no bounds for the authority of God. And look what David says in verse number 10. He takes great comfort in God's presence. He said, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall uphold me. God's hand will guide and protect him, and it's impossible to run so far away from God that he can't keep his eye on you. You think about Jonah, found that out the hard way, didn't he? God comes to Jonah, says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach. We find out the last chapter of Jonah, why Jonah didn't want to go. The Assyrians were the ones who took captive the children of Israel. He didn't like them very much. They were the enemies of Israel. In the last chapter, Jonah tells God, I knew that if I went and preached, you're so merciful and gracious, you would forgive them. That's why I didn't want to go. So God says, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it. What does Jonah do? He gets on a boat. I think he thought when he got on that boat, whew, I'm going to be okay. He was traveling towards Tarshish. He was going to go as far west as he could. Some even believe he was going to head the furthest land map to Spain. He was going to get as far away as he could. But do you know on that boat, God knew right where he was. There was no hiding from God. I remember my kids when they were younger, they, we would, I got four kids, and 
we'd play hide-and-go-seek when they were younger, and I'm sure most of you, your kids did the same thing. For some reason, at a young age, they think if they just cover up their eyes like this and stand in the middle of the room, that they're not seen anymore. How many of you, your kids ever did that? I think a lot of people would say that. And, uh, you know, you can't see me. And we think, oh, that's cute for a little kid. But that's what we do to God. You can't see me. He's everywhere. Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid from God. You cannot hide from God. Jonah got on the boat. Guess what? God was right there on the boat. He gets thrown into the water. God was right there with the fish. God was in the belly of the whale with him. God is everywhere. David, as we look at this passage, as we study this, David says, and verse number 11 says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. And David played around with the idea that if he just had, if he was, had, if he was in the darkness, then he could get out, he couldn't even get out of God's grip in the darkness. God sees it all. God knows everything. Some people think, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, what God's presence does in us. But some people think that they can have some secret life and that God doesn't know what's going on. God knows everything that goes on in your life. You cannot hide things from God. Be sure that your sin will find you out. As we study this passage, there's so much to it. And as we look at verse number 12, David goes even further and he says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. And it doesn't matter. Darkness, God is everywhere. First of all, this morning I want to give you some implications. Number one, and this isn't on the screen, so implications of omnipresence. If you don't know how to spell um, that's if you don't, implication, just do your best. No one's going to look at your notes and judge you on it later. Implications of his omnipresence. There are a few things that we can think about underneath that. The first one is this. God cannot be contained in a building. You know why God and the, why the Bible tells us not to make any graven images? Because God cannot be contained to an image. He can't be contained to a building. Solomon got this when the temple was being built. 1 Kings chapter number 8, verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have builded. You cannot contain God to a building. God is bigger than that. He's a spirit. He's bigger than all those things. He, God cannot be contained by anything made with human hands. Number two, God cannot be localized in a city or a nation. Think about it. the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It doesn't say one specific nation. God is everywhere. And God will bless any nation that puts him first. God cannot be just localized to a city or to a nation. God is everywhere. And then number three, God is always present whether you believe it or not. He's always there. In the early days of space travel, one of the Russian cosmonauts returned from orbiting the Earth and had announced that when he looked out of his space capsule, that he did not see God anywhere. Someone replied to him, if you had taken off your space suit for just one second, you would have seen God pretty quickly. And uh, God is everywhere. Even if you say he's not, he is. Number four. 
He's always available to us wherever we go. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, even 366 on leap year, he's always available. And he's with us wherever we go. And thank God for that. We continue this morning, and we think about his omnipresence. It's going to do one of two things in your life. It's either going to convict you or comfort you or do both. Technically, it should do both. Let's talk about for a few minutes how his omnipresence brings conviction. The truth of God's omnipresence is either soothing or unsettling. The fact that God is everywhere at the same time means that he goes with you everywhere you go. Bible tells us Hebrews 4.13 puts it into perspective this way, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him of whom we have to do. Is there something in your life right now that you think no one else knows about? God does. I've used the example, it's been a while since I've done it, but people are funny. They get around the pastor and maybe they slip with a bad word or you know, I've mentioned going to the grocery store and running into people, and they put something in their cart that they don't think the pastor would approve of very much, and they get all nervous around me. I don't know why. I'm not that scary of a guy. I'm really not. But how would it be if I came and lived at your house for a week? I'd be reading my Bible instead of watching movies. I would pray a lot more. And the sad thing is, who cares about me? You have God with you 24 hours a day. And we don't live with his presence. He's always there. I guarantee you, someone in this room, if I came and lived with you for a week, you would change some of your behaviors because you'd want me to think better of you. And it doesn't matter what I think. You have God living with you all the time. And he sees, he hears, he knows everything you do. Think about that one. Jeremiah says it this way in Jeremiah 23, 24, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? It's foolish to think that you can hide from God. You can't. Jonah couldn't hide from God. We think of the boat and the fact that God was there that whole time. But we also think about the fact of another boat. My mind goes to the New Testament. I think of the disciples getting ready to go over to the other side. The Lord says, let's go over to the other side. And Jesus, doing what good Baptists do, took a nap during that time. He was sleeping. And the boat's rocking. They're worried. They're stressed out. And they have him on the boat with them right there. They're worried they're not going to make it. The wind is blowing, and they have the maker of the wind right there in the boat with them. The storm's coming, and they have the creator of the storm right in the boat. And they wake up, hey, carest thou not that we perish? They didn't get them through. But they didn't find great comfort, and there should have been great comfort in the fact that the Lord was right there with them. But that's how you and I live our Christian life. He's on the boat. You might not know where your boat's going. Your boat might be in a storm right now, but he's there. 
You see, God's presence can bring conviction, but also next, it brings comfort. Omnipresence brings comfort. God's presence brings comfort. Isaiah 41.10, an awesome verse. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Hey, Christian, don't be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand, there's the right hand again, of my righteousness. Hey, Christian, today, 2020, what are you fearing? Hey, God says, hey, fear not, I'm with you. Hey, don't be dismayed, don't get all out of whack. I am your God, everything's going to be all right. His presence should bring comfort to our lives. The three points that are not in your notes, there's three verses, but the three points that are missing, I'm going to give you those. And you might want to write a couple of them down when we talk about omnipresence brings comfort. The first one is this, God is always near to his people. God is always near to his people. I'll repeat it one more time for those that are slow writing. God is always near to his people. Some people might look at the verse on the screen right now and be like, oh, pastor, I get that, but that's an Old Testament verse. But you have a God that never changes. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I am the Lord, I change not. You see that verse there, fear thou not, for I am with thee. What does the Bible tell us in Hebrews 13, verse number 5? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hey, we see, as we think about God's presence bringing comfort, God is always near to his people. Always. And you might say this morning, well, pastor, I don't feel like God is there. He is. And sometimes your feelings just aren't right. Our feelings change by circumstances. We get off of reality and focus on everything else. And the reality of the matter is that God is right there. He will not leave you. Isn't that awesome with God? Aren't you glad that he just doesn't come into the picture and say, all right, I've saved you. You go figure it out now. You take care of yourself. No, he says, hey, the beginning of that verse says to be, to be content with the such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always there. God is always near to his people. Number two, God is especially close when we go through tough times. God is especially close when we go through tough times. As I said, these three points didn't make it on the screen, probably the most three important points you needed this morning. But number two, as I mentioned, God is especially close when we go through tough times. When you're going through a tough time, what do you want? You just want someone to be there. You know, I, Job's friends, they should have just kept their mouths closed. They really should have. They shouldn't have judged the situation because they didn't know. Job was a good man. God wasn't judging him. It was a trial in his life. But as foolish as their words were, they did show up. And for days, they didn't say anything, and they were just there with Job. When you're going through it, God is there with you. When you're waiting for the call about a blood test that you've taken, God is there with you. When you're waiting for whatever, if you're going to get evicted from your house, God's right there with you. He doesn't leave you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 
Um, 34, verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. When you're struggling, he's even closer. He loves you. We see, number one, that God is always near to his people. Number two, God is especially close when we're going through tough times. And number three, God comes even closer when we get close to him. God gets even closer when we get close to him. I'll say it one more time. God comes even closer when we get close to him. James 4.8, the Bible tells us, draw nigh to God, and look what it says, and he will draw nigh to you. So what happens? This was written to Christians, the book of James. We're in this room today. We're all here. And just because we're all in the room doesn't mean we're close to everyone in the room. But we can all say we're in the room. And with Christianity, you can say you're saved and you know God, right? But just because you're in the room, how well do you know him? What that verse says right there is if you draw nigh to God, he's going to draw nigh to you. What does that tell me? You can get as close to God as you want to get. If you want a close, deep relationship with him, you can have it. You can talk to him. If you want some space, you can have your space, but he's everywhere. You, he's there. You're having a hard time. You're going through a struggle. Draw an eye to him, and he's right there thing is, he's already been there. He hasn't gone anywhere. But we get our focus off in so many different ways, we got to get our focus back to him. Draw nigh to God, and what does the verse say there? He'll draw nigh to you. God wants to draw close to you. Now, if you want to think about God's, God being omnipresent, think about the air. It's everywhere. You know, it's mainly odorless, except if you live here in Chino. It does, you can smell it sometimes. And, uh, and in Southern California, you can see the pollution and things at times, too. But air's everywhere, and that's how God is. He's everywhere. And that should bring you some comfort this morning, knowing that he's everywhere. You know, if I'm being honest this morning, I'm not thrilled with how the election went a few days ago or what I heard yesterday. I don't know the truth. If, is there fraud out there? Is there not? I don't know. Do, am I... Am I concerned about those things? There is a concern in me. But there's a relief knowing that God is everywhere. And he sees and he knows all of it. So I don't have to turn into a conspiracy theorist. I can let God take care of it. That's not easy for all Christians. And when do you stand up and fight and when do you do? I think we just need to trust God a little bit better. He sees and he knows everything. Trust him. He's over it all. He's everywhere. He knows everything. He sees it all. And that's such a blessing. We got to learn to practice the presence of God in our life. He's there. Everything. Before you do something, ask him what he thinks. Lord, should I do this? It's a good way to live. He's everywhere. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you get up. He knows all those things. He loves you this morning. I want to close with a story, and we'll be done. And you might get out the earliest you've gotten out in this 11 o'clock service. Don't hold your breath. We're almost there. But last service, we got out at 9.30 right on time. And so this service normally goes till about 11.20. So 
And actually, if we're being honest, on time is whenever the pastor's done. That's just the, if you notice when we painted this room, I didn't put the clock back in the back because I was so tired of all of you turning around looking at the clock to see what time it was. Now I just see everyone do this and everything everything else. You're doing all right. We're we're almost there. We're almost there. We're rounding rounding the runway, and as soon as the Lord gives way to come down, we'll be down. Here we go. The story's about a young man and his father. This teenager lived alone with his dad, and the two of them had a very special relationship. And even though the son was always on the bench during football games, his father was always in the stands cheering, and the dad never missed one of his son's games. Um, This person, all through high school, he never missed a practice or a game, but this young man remained a bench warmer all four years. And his faithful father was always in the stands with words of encouragement for him. When the young man went to college, he decided to try out for the football team as a walk-on, and everyone was sure he wouldn't make it, but somehow he did. This persistent young athlete never missed practice during the four years of college, but he never played one football game. It was the end of his senior football season. As he trotted onto the practice field shortly before the big playoff game, the coach met him with a telegram. The young man read the telegram and began became deathly silent. Swallowing hard, he mumbled to the coach, my father died this morning. Is it all right if I miss practice today? The coach put his arm gently around his shoulder and said, take the rest of the week off, son, and don't even plan to come to the game on Saturday. Saturday arrived, and the game was not going well in the third quarter when the team was 10 points behind. A silent young man quietly slipped into the empty locker room, put on his football gear, as he ran onto the sidelines, the coach and the players were astonished to see their faithful teammate back so soon. Coach, please let me play. I've got to play today. They're losing by 10 points, and this is their last stringer. The young man said the coach pretended not to hear him. There was no way he wanted his worst player in the, closing playoff, in the close playoff game. But as the young man persisted and finally feeling sorry for the kid, the coach gave in. All right, he said, you can go in. Before long, the coach, the players, and everyone in the stands could not believe their eyes. This little unknown who had never played before was doing everything right, and the opposing team couldn't stop him. The score was soon tied. In the closing seconds of the game, the kid intercepted a pass and ran all the way back for the winning touchdown. The fans broke loose. His teammates hoisted him on their shoulders with such cheers you've never heard before. Finally, after the stands had emptied and the team had showered, and left the locker room, the coach noticed that the young man was sitting quietly in the corner all alone. The coach came to him and said, kid, I can't believe it. You are fantastic. Tell me what got into you. How did you do it? He looked at the coach with tears in his eyes and said, well, you know, my dad died. But did you know that my dad was blind also? The young man swallowed hard and forced a smile. Dad came to all my games but today was the first time he could see me play, and I wanted to show him I could do it. Hey, friends, this morning, God is at all of your games as well. He's not blind. He sees everything. He knows everything that you're going to talk about or do this next week. He's cheering for you. He's your biggest fan. Allow his presence to motivate you to be sold out, and to live your very best for him. That boy played extra. He, he did well in that game. 
Because that was the first game his dad saw him from heaven. Your heavenly father sees everything that you do and he loves you. The next verses talk about how he thinks about you and his thoughts for you are more than the number of the grain of sand. So let's live for him in light of all that he's done for us. Father, we thank you.